Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Plus Model Radio. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, January 19th, 2009. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And tomorrow is a big day as well, the inauguration of our 44th president and first African-American president of the United States of America, Barack Obama. So whatever your dream is, know that all things are possible and be encouraged. Shout out to everyone tuning in tonight from Washington, D.C. I wish I was out there with you guys. Now, I've got a great show lined up for you this evening. Join us later on the show will be makeup artists Tara Tyler and Popra from I Want to Work for Diddy. But up first is Maria and Ziggy Rivers. Whiskers and Lace is owned and operated by Maria and Ziggy. The idea for Whiskers and Lace came about three years ago when Maria, looking for lingerie for her wedding night with Ziggy, had a hard time finding anything in her size in the stores. Online, she found the outfits were on skinny models that did not represent how the outfit would look on a big girl. Thus, Whiskers and Lace was born on July 2007. Their mission statement sums it up. We are dedicated to providing our customers quality, affordable, plus-size lingerie with superior service without losing focus that every woman, regardless of her size, deserves to feel sexy, classy, and be treated with respect. We promise to be consistent in our commitment to the two things that matter to us most, God and you, our customers. So what a wonderful mission statement. Let's welcome Maria and Ziggy to the show. Hi, Shanice. Hi. Uh, can you hear me well? Can you hear you well? Yeah, we can hear you just fine. Can you hear us? Yes, awesome. So you both were a little under the weather. I'm glad you're able to join us this evening. Well, good. I'm glad to have you. So you both decided to go into business after you saw the need for this in the market. So do either of you have a background in business or fashion? Well, see, uh, Ziggy, I've been in retail for about 20 years, and uh, it just made perfect sense to transition. Uh, I was able to do the marketing, was able to do some of the research, the merchandising, being able to contact vendors, the operational part of it really helped out uh, on my end. And then on the other end, my wife, she had the, the sense of fashion. Yes. Right, so the two of you together was just the perfect team. Uh, you can say that, yes. Basically. Our, our own little dream team. <laughs> 
So how soon after your experience of not finding what you want did you decide to go into business? It was about a year. Uh, we had already been married, and um, it just kind of came about um, because of the economy. Um, my husband uh, was laid off, and it was a perfect opportunity for us to uh, really delve into this new venture of ours, and uh, we just started to full force get it up and running. Oh, so you two run this business full-time. Yes. Well, uh, my husband runs it full-time. I still work. Okay, got it. So what types of clothing do you carry? Because I know the main thing is lingerie, but you have other things besides lingerie, correct? Yes. We also do costumes. Um, We do, you know, kind of the normal lingerie, baby dolls, camis, corsets. Uh, we also have some leather, and we also do bridal wear, which is actually kind of what started it all. Mm. Okay. And so you also saw online you have um, Halloween costumes, too. I know that's over with. Yes, that's over with, but we still have a little bit of stock, and we're actually uh, looking to unload them because we're getting ready for the new year. Um, you know, this is actually within the next four months uh, we're going to start getting geared up for uh, Halloween again in attending um, shows that um, sell this stuff and we're going to go and buy. Um, We're also getting ready to launch a swimwear line for plus-size swimwear as well. Oh, okay. Well, how exciting. So what um, are the sizes that you carry? We carry anything from a 1X to a 3X, and then even some items go all the way up to a 6X. Okay, but some of them, not every single one. Right. You have to look and uh, kind of take a look and kind of browse around. Uh, not everything is available um, to a 6X, but we, I think we do have a pretty good variety. And, um, you know, we're going to start getting um, more uh, larger sizes in as well because that's why we're going to be attending these shows that are coming up in the new year. So what is the price range for your clothing line? Uh, the price range for our clothes, you can find things on there for as inexpensive as $10 going all the way up to about $60, $70. Mm-hmm. We try to make a wide variety just because, you know, there are different, um, we'll say, uh, price lines that everybody needs to keep within their budget. And right. while we this is kind of a, a luxury, it's a nice luxury to be able to still afford. Right. So what sets your clothing apart from others? What sets us apart probably is, um, I would say, my basically my um, keen eye for fashion, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, uh, as well as our customer service, also sets us apart as well. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I love this business. This, you know, what I had, I had always dreamed of, and my husband made that a reality for me when um, he really took it full force and um, started to really help me and really get involved with this new venture of ours. And the thing, too, also, Shanice, that uh, what sets us apart would be is that uh, I, we do buy third-party uh, merchandise, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm always out there trying to see what smaller uh, companies are out there doing plus size mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, viewing our competition, you know, we do kind of share the same kind of uh, major vendors that do sell plus size, which mm-hmm. is great. You know, competition is, is healthy. Mm-hmm. But with these shows that Maria mentioned in Vegas is that we go out there, especially I try to as well, 
and talk to the smaller vendors and say, hey, you know, can I get this in the plus size? How high can you go? And just pretty much being out there and talking to these vendors and seeing that, hey, there's a demand for this, and we, we like your stuff, and going back to our mission statement, is that, you know, a big girl wants to have pretty stuff too. I mean, we don't want to buy the, you know, one-time wear lingerie. It's not, it's not fair to our customers. Right. So think, and what would be the, the, the buying part for a woman that, like, buys her underwear at Kmart or Walmart and doesn't appreciate um, or see the point in getting this type of product? How, how can you sell the product to that person? the way we'd sell the product to that person is, well, your Kmart, your Walmart, um, your Avenue, um, places like that, they sell lingerie, um, and theirs is a little more, we'll say practical. Mm -hmm. Ours is a little more sexy. Right, right. But it's not in any way sleazy or anything like that in any way. Um, Me, personally, um, I like to do my shopping um, at work, to be quite Mm -hmm. frank with you. Nobody from work is listening, but <laughs> I like to do my uh, shopping online at work. And the way our website is set up is there's nothing um, too provocative. There's nothing um, that's going to be too explicit on the site. Mm-hmm. So that if you're surfing at work and you want to go to our website, www.whiskersandwhisk.com, you can still look on our site and it's not an adult site, and it's not going to get flagged by your work in any way. So okay. that you can comfortably shop. And um, I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest things, and that was actually one of the major things that I really, really was uh, pretty um, adamant about with my husband setting up the site. Uh, while he wanted it to look very sexy, mm-hmm. um, I wanted it to be uh, something that any woman can access from her computer either at work or at home. In all ages. Yeah. Yeah. So how can someone apply to be a model for your clothing line? Well, we, we have the Contact Us feature on the website, mm-hmm. uh, so they could apply there. And we also have the MySpace, uh, and they could apply there as well. So are so, you looking for models? Uh, right now uh, we are looking for models. We're, we're, we're always looking for new talent mm-hmm. and talking to them. And the one thing that we ask, um, I mean, because we want this website to be a positive thing for plus size, is that, you know, we want serious plus size models. And, uh, you know, because I do most of the, the networking and what have you, I mean, mm-hmm. those models out there, you know, it's, it's a joint venture between my wife and I. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do get that occasional, you know, unprofessional approach. Right. You know, but, you know, the thing is, it, it's a business and it, it's professional, and we want those models to be professional and be able to represent plus-size women in a positive light. Now, although you're a lingerie company, would you prefer pictures of someone in lingerie or just like a regular portfolio picture with, um, you know, a regular outfit? We prefer a more headshots to see their overall work just because – I mean, we don't want to see uh, their dynamic as far as the models, see what they can do. Because, you know, we do have, we've had other models that we worked for in a fashion show, mm-hmm. and we've had in contact with them, and they've been really great and very professional, and have been a good, source or, uh, a good resource for us as well. 
But because, like Maria mentioned, we're going to have swimwear, we're going to have costumes, and we want a, a model that would have the versatility to do all these different things, not mm-hmm. just lingerie, but okay. be able to be to be comfortable in lingerie as well. Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, is another thing is that, that all of the models that um, work for us or that have worked for us in the past, um, we contact them based on their information. That us, but it's also a contact type of thing where we'll call them and we'll talk to them and you know we need to get an idea of what their personalities are like and to make sure that we want them representing us and and vice versa if they're going to have photos taken in our in our um, garments we want to make sure that they represent the garment well and and mm-hmm. that it looks on them when they take their photos and they put them in their portfolio so it's also kind of a personality thing as well. Um, we work with some models, you know, that it, it, it really didn't work out, we'll say, but um, mm-hmm. in, the, in the grand scheme of things, it's not just a pretty face, it's also a personality fit that matches. Yeah, the, the total face. package. Exactly. And I, and I think it goes both ways, Shanice, because uh, one advice that I would give the, the models out there would be is, you know, be open to what's out there and network, and, and it's, yeah, it's a personality because... When we did the, our fashion show, our first fashion show, mm-hmm. you know, we met a lot of models. But then as we were going out and doing more uh, networking, I contacted a model for, for a different uh, event, mm-hmm. and she had already heard about us through the, you know, the plus-size model little circle mm-hmm. of the networking, and they've heard about us, and they wanted to work with us. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a matter of being professional and being able to help each other out because usually – when you start out, you know, you do a lot of stuff for trade. Right. And, you know, it's got to be understood, you know, just because it may not be, you know, trade as far as money, uh, but exposure. And that's where you build that relationship. So what would your advice be to someone interested in starting a business geared to plus-size women but don't know where to get started? I would say a lot of uh, networking and marketing. Uh, get to know your your, your customer because even Maria, I mean, she is she is our target audience. She is our customer. Right. But even still, uh, before we actually launched, I went on MySpace and did a lot of uh, market research. Get to know what the customers want because not every size woman likes certain things. I mean, right. so do your research as to what's out there because even from when we started our market research, things have changed now. Mm-hmm. So it's just good to know because it's always evolving. And even with what Maria mentioned when she started looking for lingerie is even three years ago to now, you see a lot of more plus size out there, which is great, but it's going to be more and more as you get more exposure in the industry, a lot more plus size. It's just know your target audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you have anything coming up that we can be on the lookout for? Well, like Maria mentioned, we will be out in Las Vegas at trade shows uh, sourcing uh, vendors for, for swimsuits because mm-hmm. uh, that's something we wanted to get into. Again, uh, that's something that uh, Maria wanted as well, loungewear. Uh, and, you know, anybody who, who carry also uh, Team Plus lines. Oh, so you're trying to go into clothing as well. 
Well, actually, we're doing a teen plus size. Um, also, kind of the same thing, you know, like lounge wear, your casual wear, your mm -hmm. um, lingerie as well, um, but for young ladies. Okay. Uh, and, and that goes back to what's the part is trying to be out there and being proactive as to talking to these vendors. Maybe they maybe they thought about it, but nobody approached them on you know these teen lines, and maybe we can build a relationship with those vendors and start getting it out there for our customers. Right, and show them that it's a big market that we need these di different types of things. And then, so, uh, the, go ahead. We're doing that in February. Then in April we have another one. Again, a real lingerie show with the costumes, because uh, with costumes we had a great success with it too. Mm -hmm. uh, and another thing, when my wife had a hard time finding plus nice plus size costumes, and we have found some. Hopefully, we can do a little more uh, this year yeah. with that vendor. Goodness, um, Halloween was very, very good for us, and um, we only hope that going forward that Halloween gets even better. As hopefully, as the swearing-in of our new president comes in tomorrow, hopefully the economy will get better, and um, with the economy getting better, everything's going to get better, and we're going to have better things that are available in in more variety and in um, more variety of sizes, and selections, and styles, and things like that. So. We're very, very excited for the future um, with our business and our website. Now, you have a special um, offer for the Plus Model Radio listeners, so give us the details on this. Yes, we do. Uh, we're offering a 15% discount on any purchase done at uh, whistersandlace.com. So all you need is the uh, coupon code PMR, which is Plus Model Radio, just type that in when you check out, and you get 15% off anything uh, in, on uh, our site. And is it good until a certain date? Uh, no, I'm leaving it open because I know your your show is uh, you be you can be able to to rebroadcast or download. Right. So right, uh, I would say it, it's open until probably the end of the year. All right, well, yeah, that's so a good deal. Yeah, so your okay. customers can have them on until uh, you know. Granted, footnotes, legal advice is uh, anything that's already on sale does not apply. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, uh, we'll have it up until you know we have the costumes. Uh, just uh, saying thank you to you, Shanice, for your support uh, and your listeners. Awesome. So um, tell us again your website and how um, someone can get in touch with you. Again, it's uh, com. Uh, and to contact us, uh, there's a subdomain that you go to, and it was an online store. It says contact us, and you can go ahead and click on there, and we get an email from there directly, or no. through our MySpace, MySpace backslash wishlist.com. Now, spell the website out. Whiskers is W H I S K E R S. A-N-D-L-A-C-E.com. Well, awesome. Well, it was a pleasure uh, speaking with you guys. I hope you both feel better. Well, thank you. Thank you, And it was a pleasure and meeting you at the Love Your Body event last year, too. It was. Oh, yes. Thank you for coming out. You gave out good, great goodies, and and it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We can't wait to 
Well, awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show, and um, I'm going to put the the discount code on the website so everybody can see it, and we're going to be shopping there throughout the year. So continue success on your uh, company. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was Whiskers and Lace. Definitely check out their website, especially now that we have a Plus Model Radio discount code. That's awesome. I'm sure you'll find something there, uh, lingerie, costumes. They have um, fishnets, too, so check out that website. Now, up next on the show, we have Tyra Taylor. Tyra has been, I'm sorry, Tara. She's going to have to tell me how to, the right way to say the name because sometimes I say Tyra, sometimes I say Tara. But she has been a makeup and eyebrow artist for six years. She received her two certificates in makeup artistry from Il Mirage in Beauty and Makeup Designery in Special Effects and Beauty in New York City. Tara has experience in working with all complexions and races and appreciate the beauty in each one. You've seen her work on numerous Plus Model magazine covers and editorials, the 2008 Flawless Calendar, Essence Magazine, as well as various television, film, and fashion shows. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Shanice. Hey, now is it Tara or Tyra? It's actually Tara. Oh, okay. Like, so I was right. Like, car, tar, Tara. <laughs> do people, do people mess that up all the time? It's okay. I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I know who you're talking to. <laughs> so, growing up, mm-hmm. did you fall in love with makeup at an early age, or it happened when you got older? Good question. I actually did not really fall in love with makeup or rather fall into makeup until later on. Um, as a child, of course, uh, as a girly girl, mm-hmm. as some of us are, we play in our, parent, our mother's makeup, mm-hmm. some of us, our parents' makeup, but my mother's makeup. <laughs> and um, I'm artistic in general. I draw. Um, it runs in my family. My mom draws. My brother draws. Okay. Um, so it was something natural to fall into. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on down the road, I guess it's another form of art. It's another form of drawing. You're just drawing on a three-dimensional surface. Right. Um, so I kind of got into it literally six years ago was mm-hmm. when I really started. Oh, so, I mean, did you see something? What was the spark that you was like, this is what I want to do? <laughs> I was acting before. My background is in, in um, theater. I never and, knew that. hmm and I, I did a lot of musical theater. That's what I got my degree in in college. Oh. And I did that for a while. And a lot of the time I was struggling with my weight, back and forth, up and down. And I just said, you know what, let me just give it a rest for a couple years. So that's what I did about two years ago. I just said, you know what, I'm just going to take a break. But as I was acting, I figured out I, I figured I should do something else just to kind of support my acting career and, and make a little extra money. Mm-hmm. So I took a class at Il Maquillage in the city in 2002. Mm-hmm. And with that course, you get your starter kit and all that. So with that, I started practicing. And then as I got into it more and more, I really discovered that I, I really liked it. 
So and before before you became a makeup artist, you were pursuing to be a professional actress? I was an actor. Mm-hmm. And so did you know some makeup um, skills just um, since you were in theater, did you know just the makeup skills from that that helped? Um, not really. Not really. I think it's more just my artistic ability that helped. Mm-hmm. Um because I took a lot of art classes in school. So, mm-hmm. you know, having an idea of colors, having an idea of shading, it all kind of transfers over into into makeup. You still have to know your color. You still have to know your lights and your darks and the contours of the face. It's the same thing with drawing, bone structure. Um, so as you draw it on paper, you know, you, you still need to know about it when you're applying makeup. At least right. it helps. Right. In the application process. So you work, you know, with a lot of plus-size models, but you're open to working with all types of projects and all types of people, oh, right? Oh, yeah. I fell into working with um, plus models. I had an ad on Craigslist, I believe, and Anna Kujowski, which is a former plus model, mm-hmm. hoping to get back into plus modeling again, she mm-hmm. and her um, her partner, Matthew D., who's a photographer, mm-hmm. uh, contacted me, and they were doing some test shoots, and that's where I really started. Um, and that was near that was in the beginning when I when I had taken classes as well. Oh, so okay. when I first took classes, so it kind of that's where I just started, and all her test shoots were with plus models. Mm-hmm. And then so from that's there, how you got to put in the door with that market. Exactly, and then from there, she passed my name off to. Madeline Jones, mm-hmm. and then I started working with Maddie and Luke, and I've been working with them ever since. But I kind of fell into it, and I enjoy working in that environment. I enjoy the the the, the warm, comfortable environment that I work with with uh, Maddie and Luke, and um, the models are just such wonderful people. Um, well, yeah, now that was going into my next question because you mm. work a lot with Plus Model Magazine. Mm-hmm. So why do you enjoy working with? Uh, plus size models because you aren't plus size yourself. Not technically. I mean, I'm sure you could probably say I'm plus on top, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's the environment. It's really just the environment that I work with Maddie and Luke. That environment with them is so comfortable. They make the models feel comfortable. They make they've become my really good friends, and I just enjoy that. Um, I don't really think of it as I'm working with plus models. Mhm. I'm. I just enjoy who I work with. Right. And right. um, that's what makes the difference. So, you are an eyebrow artist. So tell us what that is, and is that something <laughs> more specialized than the average makeup artist's eyebrow skills? Well, <laughs> the eyebrows mm-hmm. frame your face. Right. And I find that when they're groomed properly. Not only does it make your face look cleaner, but it makes my makeup look better. Right. If I do a good makeup job and the brows are growing in and they're scraggly, then my makeup job looks unfinished. Mm-hmm. So I've taken time and practice on a lot of my family members mm-hmm. with grooming the brows because I found that when you groom the brows, the makeup looks better. It makes my skills look better and the finished product, I end up coming out looking looking good. <laughs> so, so what do you do? You wax or tweeze? I, I wax and I tweeze. When I'm on set, 
I usually just tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's a special house call or um, the brows are need a lot of work and it takes mm-hmm. too much time just to pluck them, then I'll bring my wax kit and I'll wax. So the average makeup artist doesn't wax eyebrows? Not That's unless you're a cosmetologist. Okay. Um, but even even if you, and technically you should be a cosmet, you should be licensed to wax, mm-hmm. which is why I don't bring my wax. I usually just bring my tweezers mm-hmm. and, you know, a little cutting and a little plucking goes mm-hmm. a long way. Right, so, right. Um, it's And it's also about the, the shape of the brows, cleaning them up so that they have a nice shape shaping them, not just taking off the hair, but making them look sculpted. Now, what about people that what about people that shave them all off and just draw them on? If that's what they like, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't advise that? No. No. <laughs> not at now, all. Now we and, have you know, a- and when you're looking for somebody to do your brows, I usually say if you find some, if you see someone that has really nice brows, ask them where they get their brows done. That's right. the best way because if you walk into a shop on the side of the street and get your eyebrows waxed off and then they don't grow back properly or they don't grow back, then, you know, you have a problem. Now, what if somebody has eyebrows that aren't thick and they don't really have hair there? Mm-hmm. Then what would your suggestion be? Then the best thing is either to use a, an eyebrow pencil. Mm-hmm. and fill them in, or an eyebrow powder. Okay. The pencil gives a little bit more definition, and um, the powder is a little softer. depends on how much hair you have. If you have a little bit of hair and you can get by with just the powder, then just use the powder. But if, if you don't have, if you hardly have anything, then mm-hmm. it's better to use the pencil. Now tell us what special effect makeup is. Special effect makeup is, like your blood, your gore, your scars, um, last. So you don't do that on a like Plus Model magazine. No, <laughs> <laughs> I may try it on a beauty editorial one day. Give her a black eye, old age makeup, <laughs> prosthetics, things right. like that. That's that's special effects. So to aspiring models listening, how important is it to hire a professional makeup artist for a photo shoot? Because, you know, some people just starting out, they're like, ooh, that's too expensive. I could do my own makeup good. Right. I think that you, you'll realize that in the camera, when you take pictures of your face with your own everyday makeup on, mm-hmm. it doesn't come out the same. It is, right. You need a certain level of makeup. Every medium has makeup. Makeup is different for every medium, rather. Mm-hmm. For your photography, you have you have your makeup for photography. For um, film, you have your makeup for film. High def film, you have your makeup for that. And somebody who specializes in it knows the right level of makeup to apply. Mm-hmm. And it's your pictures. This is what sells you. Mm-hmm. You're going to want your skin to look good. You're going to want somebody who specializes and does this, you know, on a daily basis to to know how to make your skin and your face look like you but represent you at a in a more professional light. And you know what? I think it's also good to have a second uh, set of eyes because when you're in front of the camera... Oh. 
you don't know how it's looking if you're oily, shiny, or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to watch the shoot and touch you up. Right. But, you know, the makeup that you wear every day is just not enough. You're right. And half the time, the foundation that you use from the drugstore is not heavy enough for the camera. Right. So even so, if you do your own makeup that. nice, it's still yeah. not good enough. And I, even myself, I thought that, you know, before I took classes, I said, oh, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And then when I saw what I had to do, because I took, I took my own headshots with Maddie and Luke, and I did my own makeup for it. Mm-hmm. And I did what I usually do on other models. I did it mm-hmm. on my face. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. It was even a shock for me. Wow. Because I had never seen myself like that. But when the pictures came out, it was so worth it. So, so yeah, you do. You need you need the second set of eyes, and you need somebody with experience, and it it makes a difference. Right. So, do you have anything coming up we could be on the lookout for? Um, I just did an awesome shoot with um, Plus Model Magazine for the cover of February. Okay. And so, look out for that. It's, it's very different, funky. Mm-hmm. Um, not not what they typically do. So it was oh, okay. a lot of fun. So look out for that one. And tell us your website and how we can book you for jobs. Just shoot me an email. You can go right to my website, which is www.taratayler.net, and that's T-A-R-A-T-A-Y-L-O-R.net. And you can well, email me through there as well. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And I can vouch you're a fabulous makeup artist because you've done my face. (laughs) (laughs) And you made me look good. Oh, good, good, good. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, girl. Good luck on everything. Have a wonderful uh, weekend. It's over now, right? What day is it? Monday. Oh, well, enjoy the inauguration tomorrow. <laughs> yes, you too. Bye, All right, girl. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. So last but definitely not least is Propopra, a name created to define a young woman who has encompassed the vision, integrity, and passion of media icon Oprah Winfrey and the creativity, drive, and fortitude of Sean Puffy Combs. As an experienced television personality, actress, recording artist, writer, and producer, she has had many successes that have spanned the entertainment industry both locally and internationally. Before changing her name to Popra, she was known as Temptress. The ho- she hosted her own television shows and as a recording artist on Warner Brothers, then BMG, she had top 20 hits throughout Europe and Asia. She also appeared briefly on ABC's reality show Fat March and most recently VH1's I Want to Work for Diddy. She is the CEO of her own TV, music, and film production company, Hollywood South Productions, and has her own clothing line for plus-size women called Fat Tabulous that we're going to learn all about today. So let's welcome Popra. Hello. Hi, Shanice. Hi, how are you doing? I'm so good. I'm blessed, girl. How are you? Good. I'm blessed, too. Thank you for joining us uh, this evening. So 
before you appeared on reality shows, you were already in entertainment as an accomplished host and music artist. So tell us about some of your past accomplishments. I've been in the game for a while. Um, I started out uh, on the music side of the industry. I had a record deal with Warner Brothers and BMG. Um, When I relocated from the Baltimore, D.C. area to Atlanta, I started out in Atlanta doing a lot of studio work. Um, I used to do things over at Dallas, the studio, and I worked with like Naughty by Nature, and um, I sang on Tony Braxton's record, and you know. So are you a singer or a rapper? Actually, I sing and I rap. See, I was a triple threat before Beyonce. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I love Beyonce. I love her. Um, But I, I don't think that you know necessarily, you know, what you're playing for your life is necessarily what God's playing is for you. Right. And I think that that whole process of me pursuing, you know, a recording artist career was one of the talents that I had, but not necessarily my in calling, so to speak. So, um, but at the time, that was my passion. That was something I really, you know, enjoyed doing. I still write and um, produce um, for other people. Um, from time to time, I'll do a cameo here and there, but that's really, really not my focus at this point in my career, but that's where I started. And um, so a lot of people surprised I had, like, songs neck and neck in the charts with Mariah Carey. Um, like, Mariah was 14 in Italy. My song was 15. Uh, TLC was 7 in Germany at the time with Waterfall. My song was number 8, which was actually a song that I wrote to submit for their album and, you know, as many writers experience, you know, you kind of wait to see if the artist is going to pick up your song or whatever. Right. And ended up getting a record contract um, with that same song. And the funny thing is I'm really good at doing voices. So when I would demo a song to present to an artist, I would imitate them. And so I did a song um, for them and, you know, I could change my voice and sound like T-Boz and then sound like Tilly and then rap like Left Eye because wow. I wanted them to hear themselves on the record. And right. They helped. Yeah, so God works in mysterious ways. And um, that song ended up always in rotation with Waterfalls because DJs always play things that sound similar, you know, back mm-hmm. to back. And so, um, so none of your music was ever released in the U.S.? No, actually, um I was with Warner Brothers, and then I got picked up by BMG. And on the real, they would take my hip-hop and R&B songs because my style was kind of like a Lauryn Hill where I could sing and I could rhyme. Mm-hmm. And um, and then my look was more like a Janet, you know, Janet Jackson. At the time, I was slim and trim and working out six days a week and mm-hmm. really into the whole fitness thing. And um, But they what they would do in Europe at the time, which is still very popular there, dance music is, is the rage, you know, everything's um to um to um to um to you know, hundred twenty beats a minute. So they would take all my hip hop or R and B songs, make dance mixes and um, you know, they kept saying one more single, just one more record and my thing was every time I came home nobody knew who I was, but in Europe I get off the plane and people are like, Ah, oh, Tempest, I want you, I love you, you know. Right. And um just emotionally, you know, spiritually that was just draining you know, practically living in Europe, you know, making great money at the time, but just practically living there, but not having that validation and recognition that I wanted at home. And when I tried to make that transition back to America, you know, I ran into some obstacles. They really wanted me to be like a black Madonna because Mm -hmm. my origin was in dance music. Mm -hmm. So starting there was kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time because then, you know, getting American producers to see me as an American hip-hop artist, which, you know, I was from the hood, you right. know, um, and, and trying to compete, you know, and then 
doing that route even in America. Like I used to do a lot of music videos to kind of keep my face out in America, even though I kept traveling back to Europe. So I was like in Buster Rhymes videos, R. Kelly, Ludacris, and, um, you know, trying to break into the game. That's when I was exposed to just the, uh, I guess, the casting couch, if you will, the, mm-hmm. the sexism in the industry, trying to do it on the American side, which really mm-hmm. wasn't what I had experienced in Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, just really kind of got over it. You know, I knew that so I had other you, talent. You decided to step away from music and move on to other things. Yeah, I really just got um, frustrated after, you know, many years of, you know, trying to break into the hip-hop side of the entertainment industry in America and just being drained emotionally by it always being a um, string attached. You know, um, I guess at that time, you know, hip-hop was predominantly run by, you know, men in the industry and their motives weren't always appropriate. And I just refused to sell my soul and go that route. So I said, wait a minute, I'm a businesswoman first. You know, I just happen to have some music and hip-hop, you know, some rap talent, but I can write, I can produce, I could, you know, I, I do television, my degree is in television, I've hosted shows, I've anchored TV news. I'm like, there's so many other ways for me to do this and empower myself to maybe be more a leader and a business model in the industry so that no other young woman in this business ever had to experience, at least not through my company, what I just experienced trying to break into the, the game on the American side. So after you um, pursued your career in music, I guess you took some time off or pursued some other things and you gained some weight. So your first stint on reality television was on ABC's weight loss show, Fat March. So tell us about your experience on that show. Well, by the time I got the Fat March, I was really sad. <laughs> um, but, but I had to preface that by saying, you know, contrary to popular belief, you know, you can – MySpace me and YouTube me and Google me, and you'll find lots of videos online where it shows, you know, when I was a size 5, size 7, and I worked very, very hard to maintain it because that really wasn't my natural state. I mean, I wasn't a fat girl in high school. I wasn't plus size then. And, um, you know, but people in my family, you know, have been plus size women, and certainly I'm, I'm not against that at all. As a matter of fact, I embraced being comfortable with who I was at any weight, and I think mm-hmm. that's really why I honor and respect you so much and so many women like Monique and Queen Latifah and yourself, you know, who have have embraced allowing plus-size women to, to grow to a level of acceptance of, you know, as long as you focus on being healthy, being not the stereotypical cookie-cutter perception mm-hmm. of what a woman should look like, you're fine. You're you're all right. You're fabulous. You're beautiful. And um, but my choice was to rebel against the industry that kept me with that perception that I had to be a size five. I mean, I was a size. I was 125 to 27 pounds. I was so obsessed with my weight where I could tell you on every picture what I weigh on any picture of me that I see. Absolutely. I used to weigh myself three times a, a day naked and say, okay, the average for the day is 121.5. Oh, my God, let me go urinate and come back. Well, do I was you think it, it turned into a, like a disorder? Um, <laughs> if, if any disorder, it would be um, what they call body dysmorphia, you mm-hmm. know, like how anorexic people think that they're fat no matter how thin they are. Mm-hmm. When I started decide, when I decided to gain weight, I thought I was cute no matter how big I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
You know, it was like anorexia in reverse, you know, because when you start gaining weight, people are like, oh, no, you're kind of thick, you're just kind of chunky, but you still got a cute face, you're still cute. So even when I got up to 18, 20, 22, 24, I still thought I was the bomb um, because I knew that it wasn't about the external. And I wanted to be heavy set. I wanted to be a girl that men in the industry, and I have to emphasize men in the entertainment industry, were not attracted to. Because a lot of people were very angry with me when I disclosed that on the Diddy show. Um, and I wanted to be fat. Yes, I did. I decided I'm not going to be a fitness addict. My family's not going to call me, uh-oh, here comes Jenny Craig, because I would be like, French fries, what are you doing eating that? I mean, I was obsessed with being healthy. And um used to work out, like I said, six times a week. I could do an hour and a half of cardio um, I would watch an entire movie doing cardio and then do 30 to 45 minutes of weight training because Wonder. I thought I had to look like that size 5 that you see on the music videos, and that's Wonder. how I got the, that kind of work. The comment you said that had some people um, kind of in a tizzy was that you gain weight on purpose so you could be taken seriously in the industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what people can't understand is why would you gain weight on purpose? Yes, because I did not want to be sexually appealing to men in the entertainment industry. I thought that... Well, what about course, men in the entertainment industry that like big girls? Well, that is actually, I would say that is the minority. Let's keep it real. Yes, right. there is a huge population of men in the general population doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, you know, mechanics, entrepreneurs, that, yes, there are plenty of men, which I learned after becoming a plus-size person, that love us, and I'm so glad for that. I would be a very lonely person. But the men in the entertainment industry, your producers, your, your agents, your rappers, your, you know, the, the people who really are in the game, you will find that the majority of them, they're checking for at least the people they want to exploit, let's say not love, but exploit, are women who are the video chicks. You know well, what I'm saying? Wouldn't, wouldn't gaining weight lessen your chances of being successful then? No, because at that well, technically, but remember, at that point when I decided to gain weight, I was no longer focused on what would make me successful. My thing was I didn't care about being an artist anymore. I wanted to be taken seriously as a business person. Like I would, because eventually after being discouraged, you know, by being pursued intimately and sexually so much, I would say, listen, I'm a businesswoman, you know, hey, so-and-so producer, look at my proposals for this production company or look at this package on my artist. And at the same time, I'd still get, well, you know what I'm saying, we can talk about it, but won't you meet me at the hotel or I'm in town, you know, um, you know, let's hook up, it's 2 in the morning. And I would still get that. And no matter how much I dress down, wear sweats, meet them in a conference room, meet them in a corporate setting, those innuendos were always still on the table. So, no, I wasn't. At that point that I said, you know what, I'm just going to be a fat girl. Because to me, Oprah gets taken seriously, Queen Latifah, Monique, these women are being respected. And I don't think that these men in the industry who are a-holes and disgusting and who think that a woman has to sell herself, you know, physically in order to get a, a break in the game, um, I don't think those women are being treated that way. So well, what about under- um, smaller women that get taken seriously? Like what about a Tyra Banks? Well, I can't speak for those women because that's not my experience. I can only speak from my experience. And, you know, quite as it's kept, um, what I would be constantly told by the men who I would reject these passes from 
they would name people that you see every day who you think are successful, slimmer women and tell me that they did uh, submit, you know, or they did allow themselves to play, quote, unquote, the industry game of, you know, sleeping with whoever to get, you know, to have, you know, to, to make their way to the top. So I was being told, hey, well, why do you think you're better than this person who's on MTV night right now? Why do you think you're any different than this young lady, you know, um, who's a household name? She played the game. Do you know who she slept with to get in? And so I just got drained by that. I mean, I went through this for over 10 years um, mm-hmm. of trying to be in the industry. And I'm not, I'm not even defending that it was a smart choice. It was absolutely the stupidest thing, absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever, ever done um, because I sabotaged a gorgeous, healthy, physical, um, you know, body that I worked hard to achieve and maintain in order to rebel and, and protect myself. And you know what? When I actually did the Diddy show, people don't know, like on reality shows, they actually do psychological evaluations on you. A lot of them do anyway. Right, right. And um, I asked a psychologist, you know, who interviewed me for the Diddy show about that because I wanted to know, am I crazy? You know, everybody thinks this is bullcrap that I will even say I purposely gain weight. And what she explained to me is, no, this actually is something that people do. Um People who are, are molested, which I actually was molested as a child, um, will do physical things to damage their appearance, thinking that will keep that pursuer or that suitor, you know, away from them or that molester away from them. Um, I've, they named a couple um, models. You know, there's been some models. There was one that was on Celebrity Fit Club who mm-hmm. said that she purposely wanted to be unattractive to men because she got tired of being you know, a sex object, you know, or object of their, you know, obsessions. And so, you know, people, unless you've been in someone's shoes, you know, you never really can judge why a person would make a bad decision. I mean, why do people become cokeheads? Why do people, you know, become drug addicts? Why do people do all types of self-sabotage in their lifetime? You know, all of us can sit back and say, hey, you know, let me throw stones. But at the same time, you know, people make bad decisions for a lot of the wrong reasons. And, um, I'm so glad that, you know, I've come to the realization of how poor of a decision that was, and that's why I'm really excited about my new weight loss opportunity. But um, I really thought that being fat would protect me from the guys in the industry, and they would have to listen to me rather than look at me. They'd have to read my proposal. That did give some more insight because when you say things on TV, they edit it, and so you really don't get to fully explain yourself. So Mm -hmm. I can kind of understand better where you're coming from now. So, right. And it's really not that, that I thought that men, the general population of men, because a lot of, you know, plus-size women, you know, were offended. Like, how are you going to do that? You know, what are you right. trying to say? Men they don't take like it as you women. say, plus-size women are unattractive and ugly exactly. and can't get anybody. Oh, no, and I certainly have never thought that because members of my family, my closest, you know, associates and friends, a lot of them are plus size, and they're happily married or in, in, you know, great relationships with men who love and adore them. Throughout my childhood, I experienced that women at my church, people at school. Um, so it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the, the, the normal men. It was about the industry men who their fantasy, their their power trip is to be with the good-looking video chick. And it wasn't even about me being all that or that pretty. It was a matter of control. Just like rape is not about sex, it's about control and power. And these men in the industry who play that game, it's for them, it's about control and power. I remember offering them other women, like, hey, well, look, let's, let's just make this $10 million together, and if you're looking for a hoe, 
I'll hook you up with so and so. I know I'll have girls from the videos from the videos who, you know, are that type of woman. I'll hook you up. Nah, I don't need you to hook me up. I can get on myself. I'm trying to get with you. So I tried as an intelligent person every angle, every angle I could think of on this game, from how I looked, where I meet them, what I proposed, the setting, bring other people to the to the meeting, to the table. And it didn't change the fact that their motive was to conquer and for me to be that notch in their belt of, yeah, I got what tempted, you know what I'm saying, she let me hit it. And, you know, and I just couldn't go that way. My values were just too high. But well, let's, um, let's move on to the show because we'll talk about that all day. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You can see I'm very passionate about that, but I just want people to understand. But, yeah, let's keep talking. So um, on VH1, I want to work for Diddy. How was it working with P. Diddy? <laughs> Um, number one, people always ask, you know, is he like he appears to be? And I guess it depends on when you see him that you have a perception of how he appears. I have still mad respect for him in terms of his successes, his accomplishments, and that's why, um, you know, the hybrid that I've used to in this name, Popra, you know, I adore who Popra is as a businesswoman. I don't know her personally to evaluate who she is personally, but what I believe about her and what I've been exposed to, I have the utmost respect for her. Same thing with, with P. Diddy, Sean Combs. Um, I have a lot of respect for him in terms of who I perceive him to be as a business person. What was different for me, though, is if people say, well, if you've done so much and you've you know, made all this money and had all the success and been all over the world, da 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 you know, why would you even want to be an assistant? And what people don't realize is a lot of people who do reality shows aren't necessarily people who were, you know, broke down and out homeless, you know, working in a, in a burger joint. You know, some people are intelligent enough to say, wow, you know, I can expose myself nationally at, at someone else's expense. To right, millions of people. Well, they have different types of reality shows. Some are kind of trashy, but this was a good one. And, and also to the premise of it was business. You know, and and also too, you know, I honestly being an admirer and someone who you know has kind of followed his career from back when he was in Atlanta and he was puffy and worked at LaFace, you know, um, I did admire who he was, and I said, you know what, hey, if I humble my, if I can um, humble myself to work in that capacity, I have my own personal assistant, so I know what a great personal assistant would be. I know what I expect out of my assistant. I could play that position because I know what's expected. On the flip side of that. I don't think he's going to keep me in that capacity for long if he did work with me because he would see she really is CEO material. And, um, you know, I need to put her in another position. I need to empower her to run one of my subsidiaries or, you know, some, some entity within his conglomerate. Would well, you um, make good, good context being on the show? Like if you had a project you wanted to present to Bad Boy, could you? I wouldn't necessarily say that I have the best relationship with Bad Boy. Um, for one, I don't honestly don't have interest in necessarily working with them in that capacity because my thing is not music anymore. I'm not my my focus is television and film production. Um, I'm not opposed to working with them, but I wouldn't say that that was one of my best contacts. Um, I've spoken with you know with with Puffy since the show, and um, it was a positive conversation. So it's not like you know we're arch enemies or anything like that. But I think I played my position, and, and for me, it was if I win, I win because I'm sure he's going to recognize who I am and what I bring to the table. If I don't win, I still win 
because now, you know, to some extent, I become a household name, right. and it empowers me to be able to exploit and, and promote what I actually do and what I've been doing all along. And I think most of the people either loved me or hated me. And um, I find that a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, who are leaders in their own right, um, in their families, in their business, in their households, in their communities, they all respect me. They're like, hey, right. that's a go-getter. She's a hustler. You know, she was just fighting for you know, what she believed in, and most of the time her arguments were sound and valid. Most of the people who hated on me or were like, I can't stand that big fat so-and-so, were people who usually feel um, inferior or or overpowered or bullied or subordinate in some aspect because I remind them of someone else who kind of overshadowed them. Like I go to McDonald's and the manager's, oh, my God, it's Popra, I love you, but then, you know, maybe the fry girl is like, mm, that's that bitch. You see what I'm saying? And so it was just, that's what it's been. But I think a lot of people kind of just coming around as they continue to do their research and Google and follow up on me that, you know, she's like some crazy fat girl. I mean, it's a reality show. I mean, you know, I produce reality. So I know what it would take to keep the camera on me. You know what I mean? So I played I played my position. But at the same time, you know, um, I was very serious about, about the things that I said and I did and, I'm so glad I did it. Oh, my God, I'm so glad. It's really empowered me in a lot of ways, you wouldn't imagine. Well, why do you create a different stage name for each project that you do? Is that something um, done intentionally? No, actually, that's not true. Um, my stage name for, from, for Tempest, my stage name was Tempest from 1991, excuse me, all the way up to the Diddy Show. Um, I kind of adopted the name Popra probably about five or six years ago when I would describe who I was as a business person, you know. And so the show just kind of pumped it up more. Well, I just decided that because I was pursuing an opportunity that was strictly based on who I was as a business person, and that was the name I adopted if I referenced myself more as who are you as a business person? And when we first um, went to the show, it's like, okay, that first day, brand yourself. You know, remember we had to do the presentation of who are you. Mm-hmm. It kind of just fell into place, like, okay, who am I? Well, I always say I'm a cross between Puffy and Oprah. I'm Popra. So, yes, it's time to introduce the world to Popra because I'm not pursuing you know, artistry anymore. I'm not Tempest, the recording artist that was a size five doing the music videos and trying to be a rapper. I'm a grown, mature businesswoman who's really focused on building a multimedia conglomerate. And to me, that represents the best of Puffy and the best of Oprah, who I think I am destined to be, which is Popra. So I just decided that was a great opportunity to brand Popra that I claimed, well, you know, like I said, over five years before. Now, tell us about your new clothing line, Fat Tabulous. Okay, I would call Fat Tabulous more of a who? An online boutique. Mm-hmm. And the reason I have to draw from calling it a clothing line is because until I'm able to work with some of the designers that I've been, you know, interviewing and, and people have been kind of introducing me to who can really design the things that I envision that plus-size women really want to wear, I'm kind of at the mercy at the mercy of licensing garments through other people's sources, you know, through um, manufacturing-type relationships or wholesale, I should say, wholesale relationships. Right. So currently, Fat Tablets is more of a clothing brand 
um, where those things are designs that I'm able to get through wholesale relationships with different vendors. I will call Fat Tablets a clothing line once I can go on and secure um, the the distribution and um, the manufacturing and textile arrangements that I need to say, you know what, I know big girls are checking for stuff like this, we're checking for stuff like that. Right, because we can get some pieces that nobody else has. Exactly, because, girl, it's, it's funny because then I wasn't always big, and I kind of had that video girl mindset of, you know, like, like you know, I used to like to wear the tight jeans and my waist out and my boobs pumped up and, you know, the video girl look, unless I was going on a business, you know, situation where then I would want a cute pantsuit or a nice, you know, fitted dress or something classy. You know, when I started having to go to your quote-unquote big girl stores, I was like, oh, my God, why do I have to dress like my auntie? Right. You know, why do I have to look 55? Just right. because I can't fit anything in my, you know, in B, you know, BBs or somewhere, and that's when I got just disgusted with the whole, you know, inventory that was available to us. Like we need something where if you got flavor, if you have some swag, you really can wear things that fit your personality. You don't have to be diva out to go to the mall or to go to the movies, you know, just to go hang out with your girls. And um, plus. No, no pun intended, but our market is growing. And, you know, you have girls that are 12 and 13 years old that are wearing size 16. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and what I find is age appropriate. Exactly. And on top of that, what's crazy is so many of them go into stores where they know they can't fit the clothes, but they just wear them way too tight with their guts hanging over the belt, mm-hmm. you know, or just, you know, stuff that's stretchy, which creates the illusion that you're not as big as you are because you just keep stretching the next size up. You know, that's when I really got out of control because it wasn't until I wore things that were more structured that I even realized how big I had even gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that, you know, those young young women and even people in my age group, you know, we should have choices because I think big is definitely beautiful. And um, it's really who you are on the outside, and I want to empower young women, and just women of all ages, races, ethnicities, to be confident and bold and, and sure of themselves because your size can fluctuate. I mean, I, if you looked in my closet, I have probably every size that a woman could wear. I have size, I still have things that are size 5. If, really? If, I don't know. If, yeah, not that I could wear it, okay? Like, I couldn't even wear those pants on my arm. But, <laughs> but more of like because I'm in television production, you know what I mean, some of those things may fit a period piece or fit, you know what I mean, some scene. And so I keep those things as wardrobe for production, not because I have an illusion of, yeah, one day I want to be a size five. As a matter of fact, I'm the new spokesperson for dramatic weight loss, um, which I'm so excited about. And um, people are like, oh, my God, you be training the big girls. Heck no. I just want to be healthier, you know, because I'm now not getting What, what is dramatic weight loss? Let me tell you, it is absolutely the best weight loss program that was ever created. It totally goes against everything that we have been taught about why we are overweight. It is crazy how fast and how steady I have been losing weight. My first six days, I lost um, 13 pounds in the first six days. And I've been losing weight continuously ever since and not being hungry. You know, to sum it up, it basically 
shows you why there's girls who are, or not just girls, but people who are very, very thin, who just eat all day. They eat all day. And you're like, you're just a greedy gut. You know what I mean? you always eating, but look at you, you skinny as I don't know what. And then, you know, the flip side is, you know, why some of us who, like I used to, when I started getting fat, one of the ways I got big was I used to eat one meal a day. I wouldn't eat breakfast. I eat my first meal four or five in the evening, and then maybe 11, 12 o'clock at night, I snack on something. But I basically turned my metabolism off as in switch off um, because my body thought I was starving it. And so it did, but it's so funny with the Dr. Mansfield explaining to me, is you think about bears who hibernate. You know, why don't they wake up during hibernation to eat? Because their body's in a state of ketosis because they're constantly burning fat and, um, no, I'm sorry, they're constantly storing fat so that during that season when they're hibernation, their body is okay because it has this, this storage to, to pull from. So people who like me who only eat one meal a day or eat our first meal waiting away in the afternoon, we put on this weight because our body is like, uh-uh, she ain't going to eat again, so I'm going to store this. While you got the thin people who have a quick metabolism who constantly eat, their body uses everything that they get in as energy and burns it off because it's like, oh, she's going to eat again in an hour and a half, two hours or three hours. You know, so their body never goes into that storage mode, so they always release and flush out and burn up whatever, you know, they intake. And now, I, well, I looked up dramatic weight loss. It's um, diet pills, right? So you're on diet pills? Well, actually, you have the choice whether or not you want to do pills. Um, there are some things that they have, they provide, like vitamins, potassium pills, uh, thyroid pills, things like that, that support and supplement the program. But the premise of the program is not, hey, can you just get, you know, a, a drug in a bottle and it's going to make you thin. It actually is putting you on a, a, um, a, a cycle of eating every three and a half hours so that you are constantly burning fat and eating primarily protein that um, your body will not store as fat and knowing what foods to eat that your body won't store. So... It's a beautiful thing because I can eat out, I can eat regularly. Um, I pretty much, when I, I don't have like little tiny portions, you know, like oh, I've done Jenny Craig, I've done Nutrisystem, I've probably done every diet out there, you know, and I don't have time to carry around prepackaged foods and all this stuff. But what this program does is basically teach you what natural foods you can eat that your body will constantly burn, and as long as you eat them on a regular basis, at least every three and a half hours, you're going to stay in a state of ketosis where your body is constantly burning fat. And then they have these little sticks that I love because I'm kind of a immediate recognition type person. Like that's come from me being a performer and wanting to see you scream when I sing or hit that note or hit that wrist, mm-hmm. you know. And so you get to um, urinate on these little sticks. Um, and you're able to monitor if your body's in a fat-burning mode. And so every day, as opposed to weighing yourself, you just know you're in a fat-burning state. And I'm two two dress sizes lower than I was when I started that diet about four and a half weeks ago. Nah, so, I never um, heard of those sticks before. That must be something new. <laughs> well, actually, they use it with, um, no, you can get them from any drugstore. They actually, I um, think, also used by um, diabetics to to test their, um, their sugar level. Oh, okay. um, don't quote me on that, but I know it's used for some other medical tests. But they found that it was able to evaluate whether or not you're whether or not you're burning um, stored fat for energy, or you're you know you're in ketosis, which is what you want to do is be burning the fat on your body for energy, not putting more fat in your body. So then you're just storing it, and 
they've been in business over 10 years. They've helped over 3,000 people. Um, I actually was involved in the production of the commercials that are going to start running on VH1, Bravo, uh, Oxygen, actually the end of this week. And you're and, in the commercials? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm actually I'm their new spokesmodel. And um, so I, you know, because I'm not going to promote anything that is bull crap I don't believe in. I haven't tried it. And I interviewed the people who were on the program, at least probably 10 or 12 people that were on the program, black, white, fat, <laughs> obese to just you know, 20, 30-pound people who want to lose that little bit of weight to people who lost over 150, 200 pounds. And I saw them, and they don't look gaunt. They don't look sickly. Um, it's so weird because when you lose the weight this way, you know, some people lose weight and they look sick. Like a lot of people with gastric bypass and stuff, they look like, oh, God, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you actually just look like a smaller version of yourself because your body burns the fat where you gained it last. So, like, my breast got biggest last. My face blew up last. Um, so those are the things that are shrinking right before my eyes, and it's just amazing that, you know, I still look like me, but I look like a smaller me. And So, um, so that's one of your latest projects. You're the new spokesperson for Dramatic Weight Loss, and you have another new project um, a reality show called Big Girls Need Love Too. So tell us about that real quick. Okay, Big Girls Need Love Too is my reality show where I'm looking for love. Um, I can't really go into a lot of detail about it. All I can tell you is <laughs> it is crazy. It's crazy because um, people get. But is it already with a network? I can't disclose that. I can just okay. tell you that when the promotion starts, you'll know when and where it's airing and the premise of it. But um, definitely it's based on the fact that, you know, no matter what size you are, especially us big girls, we do need love too. And I'm looking for romantic love. I'm looking for a man that can handle all of this, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly of Oprah. And, um, you know, help me build this empire. And that's what I wanted, a man who can be part of the, the vision and God's purpose in my life. And okay, my well then, when that drops, you'll have to come back on and tell us all about it because I know it's going to be a good show. It's but, great. It's going to be deep. It's going to so, really enjoy it. Do you consider yourself a spokesperson or a role model for plus-size women? Um, I could say I aspire to be, and I hope that I am because I find that so many people who do not fit that Hollywood box um, which I'm, I'm, I don't know if you know, I live in L.A. now, and I call oh, myself, okay. I'm the big, yeah, I'm the biggest girl in Hollywood, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, every now and then I run into another plus-size girl, and I'd be like, hey, girl. But, um, you know, I think that someone, you know, has to show other women, and even these girls who aren't, you know, they're not even obese, but they're 10, 11, 12, 13, you know. Which I, I'm not trying to get skinny. I'm just trying to get back to maybe like a, 14, 16. Because you, you know you got a lot of uh, heat from the comments you made about gaining weight, and you're probably going to get some more heat about this dramatic weight loss. But you know what? I can accept the heat. I'm used to it. But as long as people understand, my purpose for losing weight is not to fit anybody's perception of beauty because I feel beautiful just as I am, and that's why I'm as confident as I am. But what this is about is my health. You know what I mean? My parents died when I was 16. Both of them had weight issues. Um, my brother was recently diagnosed with diabetes, high blood pressure runs in my family, and if you know what generation I come from, I'm not, you know, 25 anymore. So I'm doing what's necessary for my health, and if anyone takes issue with me trying to live longer, then 
obviously they have an issue and not me. Well, cool. Well, tell us your official websites before we go. Yeah, okay. Um, definitely you can follow my weight loss at popra.tv. Um, I'll be doing um, bi-monthly updates about my weight loss. I definitely want anybody who's interested in getting on this program just to get healthier, not getting skinny, get healthier, to definitely go to DramaticWeightLoss.com, just like it sounds, that's how it's spelled, DramaticWeightLoss.com. And if you mentioned that you heard me on any type of promotion, they will definitely look out for you um, and take good care of you, give you special rates and what have you. But I definitely think you should do that because it's, it's the one diet you'll be able to live with the rest of your life and, and really just change how you think about food and keep the weight off. And I'm so excited about that because I want all of us big girls to live longer. Just get into the zone where you feel healthy. Forget about cute, just healthy. Um, and, of course, you know, I have my website, popra.net. I'm on MySpace, myspace.com slash therealpopra. And, um, you know, What's keep the clothing it open. Line website? Fatabulousclothing.com, F to the A to the T to the A to the B to the U, L-O-U-S, fatabulousclothing.com. Um, and, and I'm still out here, you know, fighting for us and, and the, the power and the vision of women who don't fit a stereotype but who are good and, and confident about who they are and empowering some of these younger women to be okay with themselves because they're doing some really dangerous stuff, you know, trying to lose weight, diuretics and, you know, pills and, and just, you know, not eating and starving themselves and things like that. And we've got to show them that you can be beautiful at any size because, you know, it could just it could be something else that would make you not Hollywood, you know, stereotype. And so what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Shave your head because of that reason? You know, forget about trying to be the group or follow the leader. Let's be individuals and be good about what our value system is and what our purpose is and what God's purpose and his gift uh, to us is so we can do what he wants us to do. It's definitely not about beauty anymore for me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We went way over time, but you had a lot to talk about. Oh, girl, I'm a talker, so next time, you know, give me an hour. But thank you so much for giving me this platform to talk, and I'm really proud of you. I've done a little homework, and um, you're doing great things, and I know well, that you and I you. will definitely cross paths again. Yeah, I'm I'm based in L.A., so keep me in touch with all you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, anything I can do to support what you're doing, please let me know. Well, thank you. So it was a pleasure talking with you and much success on all that you do. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I want to thank all of the guests on the show tonight. And make sure you tune in next time and we'll have more plus industry professionals with stories to not only inspire you but to keep you connected. For more information about our show, go to our website at www.plusmodelmag.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, email us at guests at plusmodelmagazine.com to submit. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting Plus Model Radio. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.